There are risk takers, innovators, business owners, and they're a couple. Welcome to A Couple of Entrepreneurs, a series about couples who start a business together without ending their relationship. Hear their unique stories, get tips, advice, and the secret to their success. Would you work with your spouse? Hosted by Mickey and Tony, a couple of entrepreneurs. Co-founders of Branding Shorts. Chicago, Journey, the Doobie Brothers. No, this is not about famous classic rock groups. This is about one of their favorite restaurants. Today, we're talking with Frank and Jen Perone, owners of Frankly Thai Restaurant in Franklin Square, New York. Welcome to the show. So welcome to A Couple of Entrepreneurs. Today's guests are Frank and Jen, who are owners of Frankly Thai in Franklin Square, New York. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Mickey. Thank you, Tony. Frank and I go back, way back. We've been friends for for decades. You Special don't want to reveal dream. how many decades. No, that's Whoever right. Listening. Yeah. <laughs> so Frank and Jen, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. I'm going to let her go first because it's always ladies first. Go ahead. Frankie Thai created with I can cook and Frankie can sell, right? He good for sale, tasting. He's tasting the food. I cook it and he sell it. I met her 20 years ago. It was a Thai restaurant in Long Island. Long Island. We, we, we used to go to a nice little place in Greenpoint, you know, on Bedford. It was just a very small Thai community way back. This was born 20 years ago with my cousin. And I was a big Pad Thai fan. But uh, 20 years ago, we were driving in Long Island and we stopped in this little restaurant on the way to a PC Richards. And my cousin goes, forget it. There's no Thai people out here. What do you want to stop in? I said, no, let's give it a try. So we went in and uh, of course I ordered shrimp pad thai and the chicken coconut soup and the satay. It's my go-to things. And after eating everything on the menu, because the pad thai was so good, my cousin told me, get another one. And I ordered another dish. and. Out it comes, and he sticks a fork in it, he goes, get the chicken garlic, get the beef ginger. And we ate like maniacs for two hours. And finally, the waitress comes over and I said, could you do me a favor? Before you bring the check, could you tell the chef to come out of the kitchen? Now, Jin's friend had this restaurant with her husband. Her husband splits with the waitress, you know, leaves the woman with the restaurant, and along comes Jin. So I happened to wander into that place at the right time and I asked to meet the chef and she came out of the kitchen and then what happened? Give me phone number. His phone number, I still kept it. I go, give my phone number. And she called me yes. two call, days later. Call him two days later. One o'clock in the morning. In the morning. <laughs> and he got the phone. I, didn't, I tell everybody, I didn't even know where Thailand was at that point. Like I said, we, Mickey and I go way back. You could have never envisioned me telling, oh, you're going to be in Bangkok marrying a Thai woman. Not, not, I didn't even know where the country was, let alone flying from Elmont to Thailand. But uh, there we are, and we never looked back. You know, and I think the faith that you have in each other, you know, you can move mountains. I mean, in any business, you can do that. My principal point was she was working in Manhattan after that, after we got together as a relationship, and she was uh, on Avenue A, was. You can never get into a restaurant there. And I was like... small. You know, and I was in the pharmacy field and I said, you know what? I'm tired of this. I says, I'm not, I didn't get married for not seeing you for 13 hours a day. So I says, we're going to get a place together. So we took everything we had and invested in each other. And we 
took a shot. We never thought about if we didn't make it. We never thought about if we would fail. We never had that attitude going in. I never did a grand opening with her. I just know I could showcase her food. And I know the customers would love it. And everybody thought I was nuts for opening in Franklin Square because they said, oh, it's such an Italian area. You're going to put Thai food here? I go, well, Italian people do have taste buds. We do eat more than pizza. Might be a refreshing change to the area. And we never did a grand opening. The first weekend we opened, we had to close because we ran out of everything. We ran out of every appetizer she made. I had to shut the store down and I had friends come. One of them was a New York City ESU police detective who came to help us mold dumplings. It was crazy. <laughs> you know, it was, but those were the best days, you know? So, so what was it like the first couple of weeks running a business together? We knew we would go home tired, but at least we went home together, you know, and was on 10 because I did all the shopping. We shop daily because we keep everything fresh in house. We'd rather prep every day than to store things that go bad. And a lot of restaurants don't adhere to that anymore. They buy in bulk and then you're lucky if you have a staff that can kind of filter out the good from the bad. And they, oh, what do you do with this old carrot? Oh, throw it in the soup. Yeah, whatever. I don't, we don't do that. In the beginning, it was, it was tough, but it was a good tough, right? It was tough. Yeah, it was fun, a fun too. A lot of fun. Lot we of had fun. the best staff at that <laughs> yeah. time. And everybody, because everybody kind of felt what was happening. That all of a sudden we turned on the lights, didn't do a grand opening, and the doors got blown off by people. So what year did you open? Uh, it was June 2010. And you're still going strong. Still going strong. Yeah. So what was the most challenging thing when you guys started out? And what was the most like, wow, this is awesome part? When the plates of customer come back clear, nothing left. My happiness that they love my food and keep coming back. The challenge yeah. to that point is the funny chef because Jin learned from her mom in Thailand. Like, you know, everything's produced now. Curry paste and all that stuff is made in a can. but. When my wife gets the curry paste or something, she can enhance it by her flavor because sometimes it's not exactly perfect, you know? So if a customer comes and says the challenge part was like, oh, this is too sweet, or this is too sour, or this is too that. Thai food's made spoon by spoon if it's made right. And one spoon of something can set the recipe off, but the consistency factor of what we do, she stuck to her guns and I told her, no matter who brings the food, some people are going to say, I don't like it. See, the, the Thai community, the people think they can take advantage of them. Like, oh, I don't like this and give me my money back deal. But that's where the Italian guy comes in. You know, and I walk over and I say, listen, if you didn't like it today, I'm sorry. I'll take care of you, but don't come tomorrow because it's, it's, it's what we make here. We've succeeded for all these years doing it this way. Well, you guys are giving great advice here. So what you guys are saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is like you guys stayed true to who you were. Because one person said this, or one person, you didn't change every five seconds. Never you changed. No. Nope. I'm like the gunslinger for her. Like I'm the protector. You know, I go out there and, and, and I stand up for her product because I know how good it is. I wouldn't bring it to your table. You know, when you taste it, you'll know what I mean. It's... Like there was a couple of coconut milk companies in Thailand that were trying to ship goods over here and their co coconut milk was horrible. They, they put cornstarch in it to make it thick. It was just taste the curry and go, throw it out. I don't even want to send it to anybody's table. You can taste the sticky. I taste everything. Do you guys have roles? So, you know, how you work together? <laughs> how do we work together? 
I don't go in the kitchen. She rarely comes out in the front. It's the great thing. You know, we check, we check that at the door and it's not husband and wife when you come in. It's partners because we're partners. And, and that, with that comes a lot of weight because you have to coordinate with each other. Listen, it's got to be an equal head. Certain things she wants to do, if it butts against me, I have to, you know, have to go with her. You know, I have to bend for her. She has to bend for me. We, you know, that's the roles as far as what we do. She takes care of that kitchen. She has nothing to do. I do all the invoicing, purchasing, buying, selling, front of house, all the insurance things. All of that is all my administrative. That's all me. She has the quality control of the kitchen. Whatever she needs, I get her, you know, and that's, I try to make it as easy as possible in the kitchen. And how about like to get other decisions where you guys work together? Like you have your roles, but are there sometimes like, all right, we have to really talk about this together. Sure, 100%. Sometimes the taste of something's not on. Let's say it's a spring roll filling, all right? Let's say she designated someone to cook the filling for the spring rolls because we make all our spring rolls on premises. If the spring roll filling doesn't taste good, and I, I'll always call out an order behind the scenes saying, get an order of spring rolls to taste the quality. If something's off, and I'll tell her, Jen, it needs a little more of this, a little more of that. You know, we work it out that way, but it does it does get challenging, right? You know, because the taste is, I'm standing up for her. We and have I, someone to be quality control. He's quality control, he's guinea pig. Yes, everything. Terrible job, guys. <laughs> Terrible job. So you, you have to just do a lot of eating. It's really hard. You know, and, and in that in that aspect, Mickey knows me all a long time. I mean, this woman here with my diet, you know, dropped me from a size 62 inch waist to a 44 now. That's yeah, right. it's huge. I was over 400 pounds when I met her. I used to have to go down her stairs sideways in Elmhurst when we were dating, right? Yeah. And it was it was an, a miracle. So now you're in a job where you do more eating, you own a restaurant, and you're losing all the weight. It's amazing. What I eat right. I get, I get right. nutritionist, you know, listen, the key to any diet, like all these things on TV, Zoom, Noom, whatever, you know, you have to adhere to the diet. So what's my excuse? I have my own chef, right? So if I have my diet menu in the kitchen and I know what I'm eating during the day, she's preparing the freshest of everything for me. He's a tricky guy. Right? <laughs> Every restaurant hide the chef. The chef take the good food, good recipe. When the chef left, everything gone. Get a new one. The customer know that why why the chef is shame because you change the chef. He got the chef and wife the same person. The chef is never shame. Yeah, smart man. <laughs> See, I I I I'm smart. never shame because my uh, our friend. He never came to the restaurant for two years. He came back, uh, Sony, right? Yeah. He the same food. But your chef is still the same. Yeah, because chef in here, still here. If he want to change the chef, he has to change the wife too. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> that's, 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 that's why sometimes maybe you go to a Thai restaurant and you say, man, that peanut sauce tasted a little bit different. Because Thai chefs get six month visas. They'll come from Thailand, they'll go to these restaurants, they'll cook. And once they leave, their recipe books go with them. Ah. Uh -huh. You'll go in and say, oh, is the peanut sauce a little more this, a little more? And they'll say, no, no, no. It's the same. No, they change the chef constantly. It's very hard to, to keep a consistent chef. A lot of restaurants that are around for that many years 
have kept that quality of their product. Flip side to that, a lot of the family members that were carrying those restaurants now don't want to do the restaurants anymore. The restaurant industry is not an easy industry. We do a lot of work on the video production side in the restaurant industry, in the hospitality industry. Some don't make it, right? Especially when things get tough, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's the economy. You've been going for more than a decade. I mean, if there were a couple of things you say, hey, here's a couple of things that we really did right. Your that we keys to success. That helped us succeed. Constancy of the tears of the food. People is keep coming back. Keep restaurant going. If you taste the food and you don't like it, you don't come back. But they keep coming back. The old customer coming back. Okay, this is his that you like. So that's the number one. Yeah. And one thing, number for one, anyone. consistency. Yeah. You know, so, and the second thing would be, you know, fortunately we've been blessed. We've been very blessed, you know, to, to, to be together and be able to actually accomplish this with nothing. Number two is your customer service and believing in each other. Again, consistency, but customer service as far as what the people expect of you, you know, because the loyalty, we have people coming from, I had a woman drive from Lindenhurst the other day just to get takeout. And I'm like, that's, you must have passed, I don't know how many Thai restaurants just to come here. She goes, I wanted your drunken noodles. She says, I was just in the mood for that drunken noodle. I'm taking three of them because I'm taking it home. Jim told her how to heat it up, you know. It's the freshness of what we buy. It's all about that quality of taste that she puts out. And knowing what to do, applying what she learned in Thailand, bringing it to America, to what I was doing in the medical field, you know, taking care of people and invoicing and learning all the backside stories to running a business. Well, that leads us to the next question, your backgrounds. How do your backgrounds play into the owning this restaurant? I know, Frank, you were in the pharmacy industry and Jin, were you always a chef or you come from a different industry? In Thailand, my background is customer service. I worked in a hotel for six years. I worked in American Express another 10 years, all customer service. Did you say you worked with American Express or? Yes. Well, no, Tony I, used to work I, for American Express. Oh, worked, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I worked there for, for 19 years. I worked at American Express, yeah. I worked about more than 10 years. Customer service, that is customer comforts. They need anything. Sometimes they talk to me, but you have to be happy after. Same as the food, same thing. Give customer service, give everything that customer need. What a great background. That is a great for every business. Frankie is very good in customer service. He's very good. Yeah. And produce everything. And he sell it. He negotiate with customer who have, sometimes we have tough customer, right? We just have bad day, something like that. But they, they're happy after talk to us. So what's great is you guys both, I mean, you have your expertise, like, you know, Frank, about the operational and all this piece and the sales side and, and you have the, the expertise on the, as being a chef, but you both have really solid foundations in customer service. Yeah, because the pharmacy was all customer service. I love the people. It's about people. You got to love people. That's the key to anything. If you don't love people, you know, stay in a box, you know, work, you know, work somewhere in the cubicles. I love people. I mean, I've been fortunate to be around the world with a lot of big rock and roll bands, and that was customer service too. I was hired to take care of them and make sure that the, you know, the VIP rooms were well taken care of, the record label people were well taken care of so they wouldn't bother the band and they would just like leave after the show. So you had mentioned the music industry. Have you had musicians come to your restaurant? Any musicians that, any any stories you could share? The last thing she cooked was like the Doobie Brothers. Like we did that at Jones Beach and they liked the food so much that like you have to come to the Radio City show that they just, you know, they filmed. She's actually in the, the video somewhere dancing in the 10th row. 
at Radio City. It was on PBS. It was wonderful. And I'm sorry, you guys cooked, you, you made food for the Doobie Brothers? Yeah, we made for you. We did the whole show at Jones Beach for the band. And it was crazy because the band was in a bubble at that time. Because, they're you know, they're out, it doesn't matter how old you are, but it's a liability. God forbid one of them got sick, it would be different. So there was nobody backstage. So we, we had to drive backstage at Jones Beach with food and stuff like that. And the guy's like, where are you going? You can't come back. I go, listen, the band's going to be mad because they're not going to eat. Oh, this is... What's your name? I go, oh, here's my name. He goes, oh, you, you're the only one on the, the guest list. And I was like, okay. And I said, Brett Michaels. Too. Yeah, Brett Michaels from Poison is a big Pull fan. Back. He's doing a show at the Paramount. And he says, Jin has to come to the show tonight. I go, it's a Saturday. And fortunately, fortunately, I had her brother from Thailand was here covering with us. I said, okay. So I show up at the Paramount with like six bags of food. You know, and the, the security guys are like, what's in those bags? I go, don't ask. You know, and I said, we brought it upstairs to the dressing room. And he, he's like, come on, we're going where are you sitting? She's like, where am I sitting tonight? I, I says, ask him. So he put her on the stage and uh, there were our customers in the audience because it was a Saturday night show. And they're taking pictures of Jen and I on the stage, calling the restaurant saying, who's cooking tonight? Because Frank and Jen are on the stage with Brett Michaels. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> You know, so we've had a bunch of musicians coming in. And you know what's cool? I, we don't tell anybody. Like, you get athletes now because the UBS arena is near us. You know, and listen, uh, handling musicians and celebrities in my life, we don't want to go and take them to a place that everybody wants. We want them to relax and enjoy their food like we would. You don't need 100 people coming up saying, oh, could you sign? Because they're not going to tell you, no, I can't sign. Some of them would. But it's easy to take them out of that atmosphere and bring them someplace private where they can enjoy themselves because they are humans, you know. I, and uh, that's what we do in the restaurant. So, you know, we do reservations only and the phone will ring and it'll be so-and-so and they're like, oh yeah, can we come? The Roger Waters and who else? Like oh, Chicago. <laughs> to see the, there's a lot of guys in that band. And, and um, Journey. Journey, Arnel Pineda, the singer. For now from Journey. He loves her green loves curry. We went to the Atlantic City show at the Hard Rock, and uh, he says, just please come to the show, come to the show. And then all of a sudden, an hour later, you're going to come? Yeah, I'm going to come. Can you bring this? Stuff? Yeah. So we bring a whole box of food to the Atlantic City Hard Rock Hotel for them to eat. And it's yeah, it's a real good accolade because those guys, they eat all over the world, you know, and right. they love what she does. You at, know? at a little bit in Thailand, I'm not a chef. I work in an office in American place. But my foundation on the food from my mom. You cook for family. Yeah, like any mom, Mickey. I don't yeah. have to tell you. You learn from your mom. Yeah. You, the best recipes egg, come from family. Best. Uh, egg, make everything from the scratch. They don't have ready-made in here. You're an amazing chef, and you didn't really have any formal training. You learned from your mom. Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah. Learn from mom. And, and, and taste, American taste, have to be changed by American tongue yeah. from him. Because right. if I make in, in, in Thai style, it's too spicy, too strong that we like. That's they the, mar that's the marketing end. Yeah. You know, I have to know what the area is going to like. You know, when we first started, I was at every table with one waitress who could barely speak English. And I would go to your table and they said, what are we going to eat? And they didn't know Thai food in Franklin Square. They had no clue what Pad Prick King was. Right? You know, you try to tell these people used to pasta fazool over here. Like, what, what is this? So I had a liaison the menu to the taste and I had to know what I could feed somebody to, to hook them into the cuisine. So I, you know, would go to the table and I would make this dish that 
we still love today. It's a foundation dish. It's a frankly delight at school. And it's, a, it's almost like I wanted to create a Thai General Chow's chicken that was healthy, you know, with string beans and cashews and onions and a special sauce. Of, yeah, it's all about her sauces that she makes. And the customers now come back just still to this day for that dish, but I brought it to their table and I would give them a, a fried rice and I get sort of liaison to being her hands, mouth and everything else in the dining room was, was a big part of it too. Yeah, one thing is customers love it, but they cannot remember what they call. They cannot order without Frankie. They couldn't order without me. But I was there, so you know, yeah. and if I took off and I went, went somewhere to buy something, they'd be like, I don't know, Frankie usually orders my stuff. So I, uh, we, we, we basically converted this area to accepting Thai food, good Thai food, to the point where they're like, real Thai food, like you go to Bangkok, they cook with a lot of different ingredients that they're not going to sell in Franklin Square, okay? And, you know, people are going to say, what is that? I don't like that taste. You know, you have to give the people what they want. Making me hungry. I know, I know. <laughs> Come on, we'll fire up the back. <laughs> we're, we're definitely going to make a plan right after yes. this. Yes. You'll love this. Part two. <laughs> Part two, that's right. Part two in the restaurant. I mean, you've done some incredible things, and you, I mean, you've got a great background to start this, right? And and you're, you really excel at customer service, great food. If there were other couples, like, looking to go and open a business together, based on your own experience, what kind of recommendations would you have to them? Uh, you know, I, I, they have to, number one, believe in themselves, you know, and get ready for the wind to blow, because it's going to blow. You know, I, I tell people all the time, they ask me, how'd you do this? How'd you do I said, listen, you keep the four walls of your house strong from the inside. I says, because the wind's going to blow on the outside. I says, and you know, if you start letting problems into the front door, out goes the money through the window because there's a lot of problems. You have to keep the walls strong in, in each other because there's going to be a lot of problems. Nothing. There's not one day that goes by that something doesn't come up. Could be a, a you need a, a plumbing issue or something like that. You cannot panic. You cannot get upset. You cannot scream. You cannot yell. You can't get upset with each other. You have to be even keeled and it's hard and it takes discipline and you have to know that going in so that's the biggest thing if you're going to start something be prepared for all of those things but never let it destroy what you built from day one as far as a couple i don't care what you're selling what do you think i think have to believe in other and listen to each other don't talk the problem for anyone because you know why many people many ideas and we come back to fight to eat other. Yeah, whether it's staff. Yeah. But I can tell a real story. When, when I first met her, she came to my house with my apartment in Elmont, and uh, my friend was in charge of homicide in New York City. So my wife's in the kitchen, and she's deboning a pork shoulder with her knives, right? And she, like, pulls the whole joint out intact. And he looked at me, he goes, don't you ever mess with her, bro. <laughs> They, as big as you are, they won't find you. <laughs> so that's a good deterrent to knowing that, you know, you know your leaps and bounds. You know, a lot of couples, one guy, you could be strong headed. You can have a, and you know, agree to compromise and agree to say you're sorry. You know, listen, in the heat of the moment, things do go the wrong way sometimes. And you, you lash out and you say, oh, I wanted that dish to be the customer's it. You know, you have to understand everybody's trying as hard as they can. All my staff does. You know why? We work together, eat together, see each other 24-7. Mm. 
365 is so tough. Vacation together. <laughs> very very tough. If you don't believe each other, you don't believe love each other. We we don't listen to each other. We cannot stay like this. No, not possible. Sometimes I hold myself. Don't talk. Don't talk to anyone. And I'm so happy. I don't talk to anyone. I'm so happy that I hold my tongue. Yeah, I, I, I talk like... to him. I have yeah. to talk to him. That what is the problem? Why you do like that? Why do you like that? That is a problem. Is a can solve the problem for your mind. I yeah. I jot down songs and stuff still because I can't ever get music out of my soul. You know, and and the song was called "Don't Let the Quiet In" because when it gets quiet, something's real, real wrong. You have to be able to talk about it. You know, not that quietness that you sit on the couch or somebody goes outside and you sit down like you know, something's wrong. You know, you have to be able to communicate and talk it out. With that taking on of a business for entrepreneurs, you have to be able to understand going in that it's going to happen. You can't let it rattle the cage. Like you say, don't let the quiet in. Go home at night because you go home. We walk in this house. You got. What do you talk about? Oh, you talk about the restaurant. You talk about who didn't show up, who didn't come to work, the price of eggs going up. No, you have to still talk about yourselves and 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 things that make you tick and where you want to be at a certain time. Like you also have to have an out plan. Tell the entrepreneurs this: you have to know when enough is enough. Just as any business, if if you're tired of it. And if the business starts running you, then you have to do something different. Now you guys have a lot of great points, I and mean, I love the communication. You talked about the importance of like don't let the quiet in, right? Yeah, you know you, you can't stop communicating every day, you know, and you have to be sure that you're on the same page. And you're gonna butt heads; that's inevitable. You work it through, like you talk through it, you know. If you, if you take a space, like my wife has a garden, that's a therapy. She goes in the backyard and she grows everything. You know, and she she gets away from it at that point. Frustrated or something happened. I talk to the plant. They don't talk back to me. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. And and then if they and if they talk back, to you, you just cut them down, and then and then you and then you put and you, yeah. you, and you, and you, you cut them, them and, you, and you put them in a and you serve them to the customer. <laughs> just put them in the, just put them in the stew pot. You know, like you said, we used to close the restaurant every October. We shut the store and we go to Thailand for a month. I always believed in going when things were good, you know, not when God forbid the phone rings and then you have to go. Right. I would uh, dedicate the month of October, and it was a leap of faith. We lock a store. I don't know any restaurants really that do that. And um, we go home for the whole month of October. And when we come home in November, we'd open the door and the customers be there waiting for us. That's awesome. I love it. You know, so it was about her. They told me. Where are you close? You go to eat somewhere else. It's not like yours. What is your secret? I said, I'm coming. Secret is love. Love to cook for you. It's true. Yeah. You know, love and care. I told everybody in the kitchen, if this piece in your dish you throw it away, don't put for customer. It's not good. Doesn't look good. Don't put it. Don't put it. Love is the key to success. This is a great way to add to this. We were playing Monopoly in Thailand with all my nieces. I'm sitting on the floor, and uh, one of my nieces goes, "Uncle Frankie, I have a question." Okay, what's the matter? She goes, "If you had all the money and jewelry and the diamonds and gold in the world, or us, which would you choose?" I said, well, "I would choose you." And she laughed, and she goes, "No, you wouldn't. Don't lie to us." I go, "Well, I'm not going to tell you something and not back it up with proof." I says, "Uncle Frankie and Aunt Jen have a beautiful restaurant, and we choose to close it for the whole entire month just to come and see you." I says, and that restaurant makes a lot of money in a month. 
it doesn't mean anything to me. I believe in coming when things are good. And then you're good and you're young and I can see you when we can play Monopoly. I said, so there's your proof. It's not about the money all the time. It's about the quality of life and love and family and things like that. Because those things slip away so quickly. To jump in a tin can with wings and fly 24 hours, making it worth the trip was seeing her mom, her dad, the family. You know, it, it was more for her that she didn't miss out on that because she hadn't seen her mom before we got married in eight years. I couldn't imagine that. Thank you so much for being guests on our show. This is awesome. We're very happy that you invited us to be guests on your show. It was a real good occurrence. I mean, you know, that's the wheels of, of the man upstairs spinning in the right direction, you know, for all of you, you know, and I'm proud of what you guys have done and what you've built and what you've accomplished in your life together. We should be interviewing you soon. I know. All right, part, part two. If you interview us, you're going to have to feed us. That's the only <laughs> thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, we are so hungry. We are so hungry right now after this conversation. No, chef. Don't worry about it. No, episode two. Frankly Thai is located at 959 Hempstead Turnpike in Franklin Square, New York. To make reservations, call 516-616-4393 or visit franklythai.com For more episodes, visit brandingshorts.com forward slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.